It's not very often that we get to test products, although I'm hoping to change that in the next year. But Sutro was kind enough to send us a unit that we have been able to use for almost a year now, and it's worked great. I would and have recommended it to people I know. This technology is such a huge leap forward for our industry. And I know there are some spa OEMs out there testing it out and trying to figure out some integrations with Sutro, and I am here for it. Um, in this episode, though, we do talk about Sutro being used in pools quite a bit, but don't let that distract you. This definitely can and should be used in portable hot tubs. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. Welcome to the Spa Retailer Podcast. Today on the podcast, I have Ravi Karani and Jim Conti from Sutro. Thanks for coming on the podcast today, guys. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Megan. So Sutro, if you don't know, is a unit that you can put into pool or hot tub water, and it will tell you on an app what your chemical readings are. So we'll get into kind of all the, how all of that works. But first off, as we always do, let's meet you guys a little bit. So Ravi, how did you, how did you end up in the uh, pool and spa industry? Yeah. So um, Jim is actually the inventor of Sutro, by the way. So I'm going to start off. <laughs> my, with and my dad had a whole chain of pool stores when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. So actually partially, partially that story is true. I grew up in Southern California, right? Imagine sunny, sunny SoCal. Uh, dad used to own a chain of pool and spa supply stores. And so I'm, I'm basically an industry kid, right? I grew up behind the counter, tested using Taylor reagents. I still remember the stuff that my dad used to buy. And we were one of the first people um, I remember in Southern California that actually used to have a server because he like wanted to keep his point of sale data. And we were like using these really old school computers. And I remember the server racks were in the back of the store, um, right next to where we used to um, repair the pumps, Pentair, Hayward, Zodiac pumps that we used to have. So. That's pretty, that's pretty from, fancy. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not sure that like very many pools and spa stores have their own servers today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but that's, that's how I, that's how I got in the industry. So done everything from run pool routes. I used to have um, one of my own dads. I used to manage one of his stores in Huntington beach, um, done everything from acid washes to installations, to running pool routes, to testing water. So, so you've really run the gamut. Have you ever sold hot tubs? You know, actually, we did not have a hot tub selling strategy at my dad's pool and spa store. We only we only just sold chemicals and pool stuff. Got it. I mean, that's fine. We won't hold it. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> I mean, you've got plenty of, of industry experience, so that's so that's just fine. Well, so I mean, that's how you have made it into the pool and hot tub industry. But how did you end up doing the tech side of things? Yeah. So my um, background is actually in mechanical engineering. Um, oh with an emphasis in fluid dynamics, which is a lot of what we do at Sutro. I had a job at NASA for a little bit, got got tired, 
and ended up getting actually an MBA in finance. During that time period, actually, I was sent to India for a year where we had built a small $20 million fund investing in startups who focused on people who earned less than $2 a day. Um, all that to say a lot of the deal flow that we got in running that venture capital fund was around water filtration. Nobody was doing water sensing, right? And so that's kind of where the story of Sutro also starts is with the mechanical engineering degree, with the background in finance, running a VC fund in India, we started looking at water sensors. And that's kind of where the first prototype for Sutro actually came about. Selling to the Indian government is probably the stupidest thing a startup can ever do because they just have a ton of red tape. And so we came back to the US and dad obviously had a chain of pool and spa stores. So we flipped the model around. Um, let's take this sensor and actually sell into the pool and spa market than selling to governments for drinking water. But the kind of vision and mission of the company is always to kind of go larger. The pool industry is a niche industry in the grand scale vision of what we're trying to build. In the pool industry, the pool and hot tub industry, we talk about, you know, water kind of being our lifeblood and, you know, our need to to care for water. And it, and it really does go beyond pools and hot tubs. Like, I think for us to be a healthy industry, we need the world to have healthy water, you know, I mean, when it really, when it comes down to it. And so I think that's like, that's interesting. It's, it's really cool that you guys, that you have a grander vision for it. But I think, I think that our industry still, still fits into that grand vision in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So (laughs) mechanical engineering and an MBA in finance and you've worked at NASA. So I think you're overqualified for our podcast. <laughs> so Jim, Jim, do you do you bring things back down to our level? <laughs> I was um, a McDonald's manager, but when Ravi and I met for the first time, he was in the drive-through, and you know, that's later, how we just kind of got connected. I gave him water; he didn't like the taste of it. He came inside, and we started talking. And Perfect. Jim wrote his Jim wrote his number at the bottom of the bottom of the cup, and I, I called him up as soon as I left the drive-through. So you know, and here we are. I wanted his monopoly piece. That's what I wanted. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you guys can't tell, they're definitely joking. (laughs) I mean, Jim, you've also worked in the industry for for a while, right? Yeah, I came more on the smart. um, I I came out of the smart home space. So my background wasn't in any of the things that Ravi was in. I was not in the pool industry, water. I was more looking at disruptive technologies, things Mm -hmm. that were never, you know, discovered before, have never been out there that were greenfield. And, you know, I, I love to get into the products that said, look, there's nothing out there. Let's go make a market for this. And let's mm-hmm. go do this. And I get into the pool industry as I started out with, um, you know, with a with a competitor of ours many years ago. And now that that product has since now gone away, I mean, Ravi and I kind of met along that journey. And, you know, he and I remained in touch and, you um, you know, I think with what he had and, and what we knew and what I had learned, that this was a good fit and a good opportunity to go back to the market and say, yeah, ORP was, it was a good, it was a good start. And I think every industry has to get a start and it evolves from there. And I think the evolution mm-hmm. is now, I think that's what, what Robbie has brought to the table. Let's just say it because we had the creator of Finn on the podcast a while ago and Finn is no longer a company. So what I mean, it's, it's a product that they, they tried and obviously yeah. he was very passionate about and it didn't work out. And so, yeah. like you said, we're on to kind of the, a new, a new way of looking at it. And yeah. And that's when I first met you, Jim was when you were, you were yeah. working with Finn. So, yeah. And I, I'll give those guys credit. They, they did exactly what, what Ravi has done now in the second gen is that they thought of something that needed to be fixed. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest things to a, a startup is finding a pain point in the world and neither one of them from the pool space either. Right. So they right. were like, Hey, there's yeah. a problem here taking care of these, 
And pools aren't inexpensive, right? They're $150,000, $200,000 with hardscape and everything that goes into it. Now there's a lot of smart control. You know, all the, the major OEMs are bringing smart capabilities and lights and fire effects. And so the prices, it's an investment that's very significant. But the core of it all is if you don't take care of the water, the, the plaster, the fiberglass, or the equipment is subject to to you know to to damage and yeah. or you know uh, failure. So I think you can wrap it all up. At the end of the day, it comes right back to Megan. What you said is is water is the key. I wasn't going to talk about this until later, but now that you've brought up water and caring for the plaster of your pool, so we've been testing a Sutro um, on a pool here at one of my a friend's pool here in town. And um, it has been fascinating to one, watch someone own a pool for the first time and two, be able to follow along on an app and see kind of how that water care journey has gone and their plaster, their, this beautiful pool that they have, it looks great. It's beautiful. But if you look below the surface, their plaster is, have been completely been eaten away from the previous owner, you know over chlorinating their pool and having really harsh, abrasive, uh, water. And so it's just, it's really interesting kind of watching the evolution in the pool that we've been testing this on, right? Like how someone not knowing what they're doing, essentially, you know, they think they're taking care of their pool, but really they're like eating it alive. (laughs) Yeah. So you started working on this sensor when you were, were in India and, and doing that, so what, so you said you, you came back to the States and kind of flipped the model, but I mean, that's easier said than done. What did that actually look like as far as coming over here and reworking the product for something that would work in, in our industry? Oh my gosh. It is, first of all, entrepreneurship is, is tough. And so first and foremost, I do want to give, you know, a, a, a hat, take my hat off to all of the entrepreneurs in the pool industry and kind of outside. I live in San Francisco. And so part of that also did, you know, lend itself starting this in 2015 to just being so close to, you know, venture capital money, to being close to just a lot of the innovation that was happening. You know, Uber was started at that time. We saw um, a lot of kind of really interesting things happening um, in the in the Bay and in the Valley. All to say, kind of, it's been it's been a rough ride, right? I think we've been around for about six to seven years. And we we actually launched very similar timing-wise to Finn, mm-hmm. except for our technology was just way, way, way more difficult, right? We're, we're building a microfluidic system that literally takes the same reagent that you use and drops them down to 150th of the size that you would use in a regular test kit, right? Honey, I shrunk the test kit is like what I like to say. And that's basically what the Sutro is. It's, it's literally a floating, floating laboratory that runs autonomous tests for you. Now that comes with its own you know, set of hardships, right? How do you manufacture something that's that small? How do you make sure that your patents are protected? Um, how do you make sure that you distribute something like that, right? Obviously, in, in in the pandemic, shipping was a really big problem, and we launched right in the midst of the pandemic. And so just everything kind of layered on top of each other just, you know, added in terms of complexity. But it's kind of a beautiful thing that you can go to mysutro.com, hit the buy button, and in about three to five days, receive that beautiful device that um, we have to design that's floating in your pool within, you know, 20 to 30 minutes. And so there's a lot that goes behind it. And I think people see the simplicity of it, but they should also understand that there's a ton of engineering, ton of software development um, and logistics that go behind the entire system. I mean, we haven't even had this unit in a pool for a year 
And even in that time, there's just been an evolution in how the app works and the information that's available to you. And, and so that's been kind of interesting to watch too, because it's, it's still evolving. And I imagine will always be evolving as technology changes. And as you know, you grow and figure out what, what people need. Correct. Yeah. And and I think you, you hit the nail on the head of, of Sutra's philosophy. We don't, we don't view technology as static, right? I think a lot of tech companies, widget companies out there will kind of launch something and they'll say, this is the one and done. You're going to buy it. This is kind of how it works. We look at technology as a dynamic thing because technology is changing around us. We are also changing the environments that we live in. And as the technology is supposed to fit in with this changing environment, it also needs to change. And so we do look at technology as a very dynamic organism versus kind of something that's just static, still, and stagnant. Right. And so, and we keep talking about the sutro being in a pool, but obviously you could take one of these and put it in a hot tub. So, but tell me about like, what is actually happening inside that gives you the water readings? You talked about it being a, a test kit, a mini test kit. So like how, what is actually happening inside this thing that, and what does it tell? What does it tell you? What do you end up with once it's floating around in there? Every single step of how the sutra measures is an analogous step to how you would use a test kit, right? So step one is take a sample of water, right? You have to fill up that little vial. Um, and we have to fill up our little miniature vial as well. That's taken at a, at, at a length that is about the size of your arm, which is why the sutra is big, right? People mm-hmm. always say, oh, the sutra is big. It's big because you actually need to take water chemistry up to an arm's length underneath the surface. Right. And you know, that's, that's, that's done purposefully. Once you take that sample of water, you need to put reagents inside there, right? And that's what happens inside of our cartridge. Our cartridge is loaded with um, reagents, phenol red, the exact same red that you use, the DPD that you use for your chlorine and the alkalinity titrant that you use for your alkalinity test. There's no difference in those reagents. And instead of, you know, you would drop five drops of phenol red into that thing and shake it up. We drop one fiftieth, one over five zero drops of phenol red into our little, you know, um, flow cell. And then you mix it up, right? And actually, if you get a cartridge before you install it, you can actually shake it and you'll hear little balls inside there. Mm. Those are literally mixing balls, right? You can, you can, the, the sutra actually mixes that inside. And then the same way that your eyes look at color is the same way that we have a little camera cell inside there that actually looks at color across our little color cell. And the same way that your brain processes color is the same way that the sutra cloud processes color. We look at a series of reds, blues, and greens. And then we basically factor out what actually the color of that liquid is. And based off of the standards of what is an 8.2 versus a 7.8, we then do the same math to basically give you that on the application. So now we're actually on the app side, right? Now you're seeing that you have a pH of 7.8, a chlorine of one ppm, or an alkalinity of 150 milligrams over calcium carbonate. Um, And I don't say that lightly. We do actually measure ppm. We do truly measure milligrams over calcium carbonate because we're running a real test inside of that supra. Yeah. Once that's shown on the app, you now need to know what to do, right? How many chemicals or what types of chemicals are you to put in? And this is where Sutra really shines. We allow you to scan any barcode, right? Any UPC, any barcode that you have of most all chemicals that are in the pool industry. We will show you a nice little pretty picture of that particular chemical and tell you to take two scoops of this particular chemical and put that into your swimming pool. Um, and so that's kind of the full, you know, effect of what we've done from the floating test kit side, all the way to telling the customer what to actually do side. Mm-hmm. Going back to our, the one in our friend's pool, again, new homeowners had never taken care of pool water before, not new homeowners, but new 
swimming pool owners had never taken a care of a pool before. And so the for, for the first year, they're like, we're going to hire someone, but their goal obviously is, is to do it themselves eventually. And it's like, I think they actually have the, the knowledge to be able to do that <laughs> without having to go out and run a test, you know, every single day in their pool, they basically open an app. They don't even have to open the app. It just sends them a notification that says, Hey, guess what? Your water's a little off. Here's how you fix it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we wanted to make it easy enough. So water chemistry, you know, pool owners are not pool service technicians, right? They, they have day jobs. They live in this house, hoping to have a pool that they can have their daughter's second birthday party in, not to be chemists, not to be biologists, not to go and run service routes. Many of them probably do, but we want to give this simplicity to users to say with the Sutro, we're the, we're the Robin to your Batman, right? We're your, we're your best sidekick. And we're going to help you manage your pool the best way possible. So that when you step out there, your pool is kind of always ready. And you're not chasing after it with, you know, constantly being reactive. You're being pro- pro- proactive or preventative in the actual management. Yeah. And the cool thing is too, like, since they had someone who was coming out there and testing the water, you know, professional, you know, we could, we could pretty like easily tell if the suture was accurate or not. Right. According to, to his readings. And so, and it was almost always, they're almost always the same or very, very similar. And it was like, you know, it was, it was spot on and it made it super easy. And it was also interesting because you could see the days that the guy went out there because he'd go out there and pour in some chlorine and then the chlorine would spike. And then we'd watch it fall over the week Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as it's they used of, their pool and the sun burned it off. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of meditative, right? It's like, you can like almost see the kind of ebbs and flows of the actual chemistry in your water. Right. You know, now that if, they take over the full care of their pool. They don't have to have those ups and downs, right? Because they could go out there every day or two and fix it themselves. So instead of having big spikes, big peaks and valleys, they can pretty much keep it, you know, right at that, right at that level, because when you have that kind of control and insight. And you're not super chlorinating it, right? You're not over chlorinating it because you know, over time it's going to wane or especially, you know, in Oklahoma, you've got a heavy UV day or what happens when you have a pool party? You know, that yes. the chlorine gets depleted or, you know, you know, 10 people in or five people in a spa depletes that, that reserve right away. Mm-hmm. What do you do for the next six days until that service technician comes back out? That it's all going to trend the wrong direction unless you rectify it yeah. very quickly. Yeah, for sure. And also, I mean, especially, I mean, you know, it's hard enough in a pool of, then you throw in a hot tub mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the heat and the smaller body of water. And then you've got some, you know, a real, um, recipe for disaster. But so let me ask you this though. I mean, does anything different need to happen with the Sutro to work well in a hot tub? Or is it pretty much if you, if it works in the pool, you could pick it up and put it in a spa and it would be, it would, it would be the, the same. Cause we are dealing with kind of some different parameters, right? Yeah. And I, I think the answer is, you know, without Sutro, what do you do with the test kit? You probably use the same test kit in a hot tub than you would use in a pool. And so that, so that answer is, you know, it, it always goes back to first principles of let's just ask, what would the test kit do? And if it's the same as the test kit, it's going to be the same as the Sutro. I feel like this is kind of, this is what we've all been waiting for to happen on the hot tub industry where like we've slowly moved to like touchscreen controls and now we've slowly moved to app control. But the thing that has been missing has been the water chemistry component is, you know, how do you actually, you know, actually being able to see, like, I can turn on the, I can turn on the lights. I can turn on the jets. I can turn up the heat, but I don't know if I need to go out there and fix my water, but now we're at the point now they can do that. Exactly. Yeah. That's what, that's what Sutro does enable. 
And I, and I think the reason that that's unlocked is because the sensing methodology, the way that we sensed was not mature enough for us to actually see what the real readings were, right? You couldn't build feedback loops off of ORP and pH sensors. And so, you know, Sutro then again comes to the door with the first only autonomous reagent based robot that's able to do that. So what's the, what's the issue with doing an ORP, you know, versus doing a reagent system. So I think a lot of, I mean, hot tub retailers test water, but not really to the extent probably that, that pool pool stores do. So I feel like we're not as familiar on this side of the industry with those, with those things. Yeah. I mean, the, the kind of simple example I can give is a speedometer that, that, that doesn't read correctly, right? If you're sitting in your car and the speed limit says that you're supposed to only go 60 miles an hour and your speedometer is reading 120 because it's broken or it's, or it's drifted, you don't have proper feedback control on what the actual speed is that you should be going. That's basically an ORP sensor. It's a, it's a, it's a speedometer that drifts over time that doesn't really give you the actual speed that you're traveling. And that's, that's just a broken feedback loop. And when you're doing controls like that, right, for your speed or for water chemistry, you want an accurate speedometer. You want to know that you're going 60 miles an hour. You want to know that your pH is 7.8. And how can you build feedback loops if that number keeps changing all the time? Um, and that's the kind of one big fallacy of the, of the way that ORP controllers are built. Now, we used to use them a lot in the lab, and we still do because they're very sophisticated instruments, but our chemical engineers calibrate those probably once a day, and they do them in these, in these brined solutions that we know are you know standards, but no homeowner is going to do that, right? And so we need a better way, a better toolkit that's going to be able to actually give you that accurate speedometer. You brought up earlier about about the Sutro being large, but when I have compared it to some other things on the market, like that's one of the first things that I think is like, how can this thing that doesn't move around the pool or doesn't go down very deep in the water, how does it give you an accurate an accurate reading? Because you know, you know, you're supposed to get it in, you know, your arm into about your elbow to get the the right reading in the right water, and it's not even. I mean, that's pretty standard across, like not even the pool and hot tub industry. Like my husband in the oil industry has to do the same thing. <laughs> you don't want the stuff floating on the top. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm curious, Jim, you've, you know, kind of been through a couple different companies doing some similar, some similar things. What are some of the things that you see as a benefit to Sutro for the industry since you've, you've kind of been on both sides? Well, I think what it has done, it's kind of made... I mean, as Robbie's indicated, using reagent-based testing with photometry is kind of that industry standard because people will say, well, I can get test strips, right? They're cheap. They're inexpensive. I can go out in my hot tub right now and run a test strip. What do I get? There's no feedback loop in a test strip at all, you know, mm-hmm. and it's what color red am I looking at? What color? And I'm comparing it to a, a chart. And then even if I identify what do I have, what do I do next? I mean, mm-hmm. the guesswork is still there. And I think the benefit is the, the price of a hot tub, as I indicated in the beginning, you know, swim spas, you know, $25,000, $50,000, pools, $100,000, $200,000. Those are investments. Those mm-hmm. are no longer, you know, pop-up pools that I had as a kid that, you know, my 10 by 10 round that my dad had, you know, a small little, uh, you know, a DE filter on the side of, and that was what you had. And everybody just threw chlorine in. I mean, if you've ever gone through the, cl- the courses for water chemistry, it's not as easy as people think. No, it's, it's, it's very really sophisticated. Not. You got, I got to updo my, fix my alkalinity first, and then I got to go out and create turbulence for my pH. And there's so many things that people don't really understand how they have yes. to take care of this thing. Yeah. Well, and it's something that we talk about in the hot tub industry, especially a lot, is that 
the, the water care and the water chemistry is one of the biggest barriers to entry for people buying a hot tub because it's, it's very difficult and it can go wrong in a matter of, of an hour. And it just, it just is a very, you know, up and down very quickly. And if you ever owned a hot tub before you, you get that, like you really, you really have to dial it in and it's not easy. And a lot of times we just tend to err on the side of throw more in Yeah, more. Yeah. Which is again, if you've ever sat in an overchlorinated hot tub, it's not a, or a high alkalinity hot tub or a low pH. It's not comfortable. No, it's not great. It's not on your eyes are affected, right? It's, it's itchy and you get scaled on your, on your, if you've got over chlorinated, you know, a hot tub and it's 104 degrees. So it's, it's worse than a 60 degree pool, right? From the yeah, feeling perspective. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's something that, it, it, you know, as an industry, we have talked about over and over again as being this kind of like, problem you don't want to talk about to your customers, right? You don't like, on the one hand, you want to give them a good experience and you want to say, here, hey, this is how you take care of this water so that you have a, a good uh, enjoyable experience with your spa. But on the other hand, you don't want to overwhelm them, overwhelm them in the sales process. Exactly right. And so it's, it's great to be able to have something to say, look, put this in there and it will tell you what to do. And that's it. You don't have to do anything exactly. else. Like yeah. I, I just, that is the, it's kind of the Holy grail. I think I already said that, but it's really what has been missing from all of these systems that we have in the industry. And there are some good water care systems, but what we're Absolutely. missing is the, the feedback component and the, I can just tell you what to do from your phone component. And that's what people, that's what people really want is like, just make it easy and tell me what to do. Yeah. Ultimately, why did they buy the spa? They want to enjoy it and you can't enjoy it. If your chemistry is all over the map and you've got a sine wave and you're at the pool store every other day, because you're offsetting what you did the day before and you can never get it straight It becomes very frustrating and people just don't have the joy of ownership if they can't actually get in it and enjoy it for why for the reasons that they bought it. Absolutely. And yeah. I think too, how much does it, how much does a sutra cost typically? Uh, sutra online is $4.99. $4.99. Okay. So in the grand scheme of a swimming pool or hot tub ownership, not the uh, most expensive thing you're going to purchase for it. <laughs> how long, I mean, so, and also you guys, I, I mean, I've been getting these little cartridges in the mail from you for the last several months. I've got, I've got a, a few of them kind of stacked up over there. So how often are they, are they getting that? Is that a program that they have to sign up for to get those automatically shipped to them? How does that, what does that look like? Yeah. And before, uh, before you jump into that, one thing you mentioned about the cost, right? What does Sutro cost? And I think from two perspectives, from the user experience, but a lot of the OEMs, what does Sutro cost? It's actually, what does Sutro save in cost? Because water chemistry can be the result for pump failure, heater failures with poor water chemistry affects the fiberglass, you get pits, um, your jets fail. So it's, 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 can you afford not to have something that's monitoring that, that, that body of water three times or whatever you know, amounts per day and doing it without human intervention? I don't have to physically go out in minus eight degrees in Wisconsin and take a water test because I won't go. But at the meantime, my pH is affecting my pump or my heater. And guess who's responsible for that? The OEM of that hot tub or the, the pool filter folks, you know, those guys, they're all going to be responsible for those warranty claims that they could have proactively, proactively mitigated, you know, had they, had they had a monitoring system in place. So that's when you talk about costs or hard costs, it's mm-hmm. really, can you really afford not to, you know, to, right. to put that, in, you put oil in your car for a reason. It's, it's, it's to keep the engine to keep running without the oil. 
you know, that there's, I don't care what kind of tires or leather seats or anything else. It all goes to heck in a handbag. Jim's bringing the, Jim's bringing the sales pitch. <laughs> well, I thought you were giving away a free suit to everybody that hears the podcast too, Megan. I thought that oh, was, the oh, deal too, right, but I right, just thought right. that was the deal. <laughs> So, um, I mean, but that's a great point, right? Like you are, and I was going to ask too, I think you guys have a, a way for the dealers or the service people to be able to see that customer's account and information too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you as the, as the retailer can, you know, check in, dial in and say, oh, Hey, by the way, yeah. you, uh, this doesn't look right. Let's, let's get it fixed before it becomes a, a real problem. Yep. Robbie's actually coined it as the fishing line. And that is when the customer comes into your retail store and you, and you work with them, right? You help them, you run a water test, you spend that $3 for the spin touch, or if that's what you're using, that's a cost. You send them away with a, an assortment of chemicals based on potentially what their water testing they brought in. Now, who knows? The inherent issue with water testing is what did you take the sample? How long has it been in my car? What container is it in? Right? It's a whole bunch of things that are affected by that. But then you send them on their way you may never see that customer again. They are bombarded uh, with email and chemical offers mm -hmm. and, and how many stores do they go by that sell competitive products between your store and their home? So will, you ever, will they ever come back? And all that instruction you gave them, how do you know they actually ever even did it? Right. How do you know they did what you said? And then maybe 10, you know, two months later comes by and they come back in and they're, they've got problems, but you don't know what happened from the day they left to that two month point. So we give you that ability, that, that, uh, that fishing line, as, as Robbie has coined it, to see and be in touch proactively, not reactively with those customers now. You know, and it's something too, that like you as the, as the retailer kind of can, can control this to a certain extent too, right? Like, I know a jacuzzi dealer who he doesn't sell a jacuzzi hot tub unless it has the smart capabilities. Like they just don't order them. Like that's not because he's, he's decided that to provide the best experience and customer service that his customers have to have that on their hot tubs. And it can kind of work the same with the sutra, right? Like, by the way, you're not leaving here without one of these because it makes the experience better for you and me. It makes sure that both of us are staying on top of, of the water care and that we can serve you the best that we can. And like you said, get yeah. those, get those repeat sales. And especially for in the hot tub industry, so many dealers have started to do valet service, right? Where they're going out there once a month to look at their, their customers, hot tubs. And it's kind of like, you know what, when you sign up for your valet service, you, you're also buying a sutro because that's how we do this service is we don't yeah. do it unless we can keep track of what's going on in your tub on a regular yeah. basis. And I don't think that any, I don't think there'll be any pushback because if someone is yeah. willing to pay to have someone come out and service their hot tub every single month and make sure that it's running all right, they are not going to bat an eye at spending a few extra hundred dollars to be able to know every day that it's okay. Right. Yeah. And imagine if you're the service manager of that location. Imagine if you're sitting in your office and you can pull up an interface that shows you the status of the water chemistry, not in time, not mm -hmm. a single water test, but three readings a day over time. Now imagine your ability as a service manager to see that from your office without ever rolling a truck or sending a tech because they never know what they're walking into until they go behind the gate mm -hmm. and run the water test for pools right. or spas. They could ruin their entire day with a bad first visit, right? They could just have to drain the spa. It could be a mess. They won't know until they get there. Imagine if they knew that before they ever left the warehouse and imagine how better that would be from a service perspective. Yeah. You know, I think the, the, 
retailers I know who are, you know, incredibly successful and, and bright is when they're running their valet service, it's, it's, it's a system, you know, like as far as when they go out, what they do, what they know about that hot tub and when they drain and when they purge. And it's like, it is a system that they have dialed in so that their customer has to think as about it as little as possible because that's the true value in that service. Right. And so like, this is just another easy, like easy thing that you can do to include that. You could sell any brand of hot tub and have this available for you as the dealer to look at. And then for the customer to look at on their phones and say, this is what my water chemistry looks like right now. And, and it is like a hot tub is small. And so, you know, having that, maybe you don't want it floating in there when you're using the hot tub, fine, take it out, put it back in, (laughs) make, make sure it's filled up and there's water where it's supposed to be. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I will say too, every Airbnb should have one. Imagine the experience, right? If you rent a a cabin or you go to a place and they have a hot tub and of course you're swapping that out every week. So first of all, you're going to want to make sure the water chemistry has been taken care of because you don't know if they had a big party. You don't know what went on. And two, what about the colder markets where just the temperature alone, if that heater was to go out and you didn't know it, the damage that it would cause. And then the experience to that, that, that guest when they come to want to use their hot tub and it's, it's not available to be used. Right. Cause the suture also will tell you the, the temperature of the water. I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. yeah. And I will say too, having seen how this works in action, the couple of times that it hasn't worked, um, suture has actually let us know before we even realized that there was something wrong with it. <laughs> We'd get an email from them saying, Hey, your readings don't look right. Will you, this is what you need to do to probably fix it. Or, you know, your cartridge is running low. Like it's time to put a new one in there. Like you guys are seem pretty on top of it as far as that goes, which is amazing because again, like this is not a pool in my own backyard. And so I'm not going to know if something's going wrong. And I, again, I imagine the dealer could have that same access where it's like, Oh, Hey, this is not working. Right. you know, they probably just have need to, I, I know, fix the sensors, like make sure that they're clean or <laughs> whatever it might be. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean that, that comes again, cause we wanted to build a brand that you could trust, right? Not only does the, does the device work and do you trust the device? We also want to make the entire experience trustworthy, right? And that comes from everything in the data that we show you to the to the actual customer service that we have, to the way that we talk to you, all the way to our social media, right? Like we we just really have this holistic view of how do we build a brand that people can trust. And so yeah, that's I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you saw the tip of the iceberg there. Well, and can we say too? Speaking of like a brand that you can trust, can we also talk about your branding and how much I love it and how cute it is? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was actually done um, by an amazing um, Oakland, San Francisco design firm called Enlisted Design. Just a few Easter eggs. If you've noticed, when you actually open up the um, the Sutro, um, are you a big Back to the Future fan? No. No. Okay. Sorry. Well, well, when Doc pulls out the back of the car, there's like there's the flux capacitor. If you remember that scene, or if you if you've ever seen anywhere, that was actually taken from Back to the Future. So that's our like instance there. That's actually great. here's 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 one you might actually remember, Megan. Um, if you look at the hub, does that remind you of anything when you like click open and close that actual hub? No. What is it? What should it remind me of? It's like a CD player. It's like a Walkman. Oh, you're right. It is. Yeah. And then you're bringing back that like '80s, '90s nostalgia. <laughs> exactly. And the last one is actually the uh, the uh, cartridge is exactly the same shape as like a cassette tape, so yeah. and it has that same sort of like push in pull out sort of interaction. But yeah, there's little Easter eggs we put in the product themselves. But 
that's really fun. I mean, honestly, like I was just mostly talking about like how cute your boxes are. So (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't feel like a product that you would typically see in in the, in the hot tub industry and in the, in the pool industry. It's very, it's very modern and fun. And I feel like it fits what it actually does. Right. It's like a, a modern and easy thing to, to use and to have in your, in your spa. And so it, and it definitely runs that through the whole thing. And so for hot tub retailers who are very particular about how their showrooms look, uh, I think you won't have any trouble fitting this in because it definitely feels high-end and special. Oh yeah. And if, if any retailers want to actually see our display units, the actual like point of purchase that we have oh, that, yeah. that sits in the store is like absolutely beautiful. It has like a little sutro that customers can actually, it's a little dummy unit. You can play around with it. Yeah. It's a really, really beautiful. It's actually a piece of art in itself, actually. Well, we're going to have to, you're going to have to send us a picture of that for us to include in our, in our show notes. So people can see, see what that looks like, because I mean, I think that is the one of the hard things about hot tub retailing, right. Is you've got these big boxes and then you've got, you know, racks of chemicals. And so it's, it can be hard to bring in something new that kind of spices things up and maybe it looks a little bit like makes things look like they are worth the price point that you're paying for them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if a hot tub retailer is interested in checking out a Sutro or in selling them or offering them to their customers, what would be their next steps? They would email us at uh, support at mysutro.com and we'll just, we'll get you set up. It's a pretty easy process. If you even forget to do that and you just literally Google Sutro hot tub or Sutro yeah. pool, you'll, you'll find us and you can, you can definitely reach us. Yeah. And I think Ravi, it would be good too, from a retailer perspective to kind of share with them the partner portal that we actually bring not just a piece of hardware, not just this tool, but another tool to help you in the water testing platform to help your, really help your customers and, and help you keep track of the data as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a really good idea, Jim. So what, what Jim is actually referring to is the, is the other side of the platform that we have that actually sits inside of the retailer. Um, and that's what we call our partners portal. Basically, what the Partners Portal is, is it's it's kind of a dual-function dashboard, right? One side of the dashboard is exactly what you just said um, a second ago, Megan, where you can see all of your sutros, kind of all of your customer sutros in one kind of simple-to-understand dashboard. And the other side of it is actually a fully-functioning testing suite. So if you have the Lamotte, you know, Spin Touch, or you have a tailored test kit, whatever you're using at your pool store or your spa store to measure your customer's water chemistry. It marries that information together of that in-store test that's more deeper, has more chemical parameters with your kind of heartbeat of your three tests a day that the Sutro does. And so, you know, part of as, as kind of what Jim was saying is this is the fishing line that when your customer walks out the door, they don't just leave, you know, turn their back to you and you never see them again. This is a way for you to directly keep in touch with them almost through added kind of more enriched marketing, right? This this also is this whole world that we're having retailers that are really using this data to um, build a better experience for their customer, right? And that's kind of the end goal of what we've tried to build across the platform. If you are working with the partner portal, can you set it up so that they are being told to use the chemicals that you sell? A hundred percent. Yes, okay, that's, that's actually great. a really, really good point. So we are chemical agnostic. Um, depending on whatever brand that you use, we want to speak that language that you use to your customers. And so if you're loyal to a particular manufacturer, we have 90% of all manufacturers on our platform. It'll it'll load up with exactly the way that you feel like recommending your chemicals. Yeah. So if your customer 
you know, you set them up on the suture program, they've got it. And then suddenly they, they start to disappear and are trying different chemicals. <laughs> would you kind of, would you be able to tell that as a retailer? Would you be like, Oh, this is maybe not what they're, <laughs> what we've been selling them. I think they got that at uh, Lowe's. <laughs> we, we unfortunately cannot disclose uh, customer data, right? They, they can gotcha. purchase wherever they feel like it. So sure, sure. that in a sense is a, a bit of, bit of privacy intrusion. If we were to go back to the dealer and tell them, Hey, Megan's actually going to Lowe's. She's not. All right. That's, I mean, that's true. I mean, that's probably, that's probably the right way to do it. Fine. We we, we have to also be moral (laughs) as well. Right. So, (laughs) but if you're, if your spa retailer does sell a particular brand, if they have a private label, if you have, Mm -hmm. you know, Megan's magic chlorine or, you know, Megan's magic bromine as a chemical, um, it'll say that. And and we can actually upload those chemicals. So when that customer, so when that customer goes home, they'll literally see a little cute box of that picture that says, you know, Megan's bromine and Mm -hmm. from, from Megan's pool and spa supply. And that might be a good test too, just for, because, you know, people think a chemical is a chemical and we know that that's, that's not the case. Right. And so it's like, Hey, put in you know, a, a cup of, of Megan's magic bromine. And they're like, oh, well, I got this at a big box store. I'm going to put in a cup of that. And suddenly it's like your readings are not going the way they're supposed to go because the efficacy isn't the same. Right. <laughs> yeah. And actually on our, on our premium membership for, for the, uh, we actually have a membership tier called premium, by the way, I know I didn't talk about that, but um, on that premium tier, we actually provide that information to our customers. So if, if you're using, you know, an inferior chemical, mm-hmm. you'll you'll very quickly see as you change your brands on your own premium um, email that we send of, hey, you used a hundred pounds of this stuff and you only used, you know, 70 pounds or 50 pounds of this. Well, mm-hmm. maybe one is more, you know, efficient than the other. And so we do, we do provide that sort of information to, to our, to our customers. Yeah, that's great. And that, again, just like continues to drive sales back to the specialty retail yes. stores where they have right. the better products and they know, and they know what they're doing and they know, you know, what they mean. And, and especially right now in a time where we've obviously been going through chemical shortages and Absolutely. it's, it's been difficult. And I think people have been searching high and low for whatever they can get to work. <laughs> you know, I mean, what a great tool to say, Hey, this, this isn't maybe as, as good as you think it is, or as you hope it is. And, you know, as soon as you can, I would get back to your, your local yeah. retailer and try to get the things that are actually they'll work better in your spa. Yeah. And since things were scarce, you want to make sure you make the best use of the chemicals that you can get. So So if I'm putting in a cup of something, I better make sure that that's a good use of that cup of something because I may not be able to get as many as I'd like. So, and especially with service guys, right? If they go out there and they can't get it and the prices go up and they use a lot more, their costs go up of doing business, which cuts into their profitability of their service Mm -hmm. routes, which cuts into their service department again. So we're trying to help them run it and keep it as a business and make it profitable and make it efficient. So they're not running around with their trucks and people can't hire people today. So how do we use those resources that we have more efficiently and, and do the most we can with this, whatever we have for resources? Right. So when we put the suture on my, on my friend's new pool, we, for whatever reason, I was like, man, I kept, I kept emailing him or texting him and being like, yeah, and guys, I don't, your chlorine is so high. Like, why is it so high? Like, this is insane. So the more I talked to them, I figured out that it's because the old owner had they had an inline chemical tab feeder, right? Built in at the, at the equipment pad. They had a floater in the pool and spa with tabs. And then they had tabs in their skimmers. Guys, oh, their chlorine gosh. was sky, sky high. And like they're having 
pool parties they were having, you know, it's the middle of Oklahoma summer where like that chlorine should be burning off at a pretty quick pace. And we couldn't get it to come down. It was insane. And so finally it was like, what is the problem here? Like, cause we were wondering, it's like, is it the sutro? Like, is it not reading this correctly? And it was like, no, your chlorine is actually that high. This is insanity. And there's a chlorine shortage, like save those tabs, like stop putting them in your pool when you don't need them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I think we, we were talking about this earlier, that yo-yo that you have, right. When you're, when you're constantly chasing your chemistry is actually more chemicals than if you were to just hold it at a steady state average. Um, and so that, that shows itself too. I mean, outside of this, this example of this, of this really, really high chlorine in your friend's pool, which is, it was insane, was bad, but, was um, bad. yeah, but, but like yo-yos do cost more money overall than actually staying against the average. And so again, like this was such a good learning experience for me <laughs> to be able to, um, you know, be able to monitor this and look and say, what is going on here? And I felt so smart that I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, is there anything else that you guys think people should know, especially in the hot tub industry? Uh, Because I feel like we are not as familiar again about this and and about the fact that this technology is out there and available and works in hot tubs. Again, I think sometimes people get really excited about something and then realize it's like not built to work in a hot tub. So is there anything else that you feel like the hot tub industry should know about what you guys are doing, what's available to them and why this is a great fit for the hot tub industry. My kind of closing line there would be education is key, right? I think a lot of, there's a lot of technologies out there. A lot of, a lot of other companies have come out and it's important to go back to first principles. It's, 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 it's important to go back to the, to the core message that reagent chemistry is the right way to measure water chemistry. And that could be through a test kit that can be through liquid reagents. Um, Sutro makes it all the best easier because we can just tell you what to do with that information. But as you're kind of exploring this, this smart monitoring space, there is the solid state sensors, there is the pH and the ORP sensors. And to just also not only educate yourself, but also educate your customers because there's information everywhere. We can go to Google and figure out you know, different technologies out there and then you'll be bombarded with 17 different ads on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they, on the surface, all look the same, but, you know, an electric engine is very different than, than you know, a, a gas-powered engine. And so when you look under the hood, that's really when you start to figure out the kind of differences in the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would just kind of be my, my, my closing line there is just education. And to be perfectly frank, we've tested some other things on the market, and this is the only one that's worked so far. I mean, we had some good, we had some good experiences with Finn, but again, Finn is no more. Um, this is the, this is the only one that we've tried. That's actually, uh, done what it said it was going to do. So I'm not naming names. <laughs> so I didn't send these to you guys beforehand, but are you, uh, are you ready to do this spa retailer five? Spa retailer five. Yeah. We ask every guest the same five questions at the end of the interview you know, you guys, you could either both answer them or we can go back and forth. I have a bad connection. I'm probably going to lose well, since, this connection. I'm cutting yeah. out. Can't hit. Uh, since well, since well, we invented the sutra, you can ask him the five questions. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, Jim, you already talked about your job at McDonald's and one of the, one of the spa retour five is what was your first real job? So there's your, there's your chance to talk about your, actually, it was, it was grill service at McDonald's. That was my first job. See, there you go. This, 
see, these aren't going to be so bad. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah. So, I, okay. So let me ask you, do you guys remember the very first order that you took or the very first sale that you got in the industry um, and what you sold them? And you, it could be Sutro or you could go back to your days at your, you know, your parents' pool and spa store. Do you, do you have a memory of that first, you know, I got them sale? I think I remember back in the days we used to have a 50 pound bucket of chlorine of TCCA. And I remember there was a guy coming in that was picking up like a smaller 10 pounder or something. I think we used to sell BioGuard chemicals, if I remember correctly. And I remember, I think I was like nine or 10 years old, like behind the cash register. And I remember just like upgrading that guy to getting a 50 pound bucket and like walking, you know, him walking away with like a hundred dollars that I made versus like 25 or something like that. And I was like, you're going to want the chlorine because it's going to be hot next week. And I remember I, I said that one line because my dad told me to say that, but that was my first sale in the industry that I remember. That's amazing. I love, I love that story. I look at you, look at you, Ravi upselling, upselling the customers at, at 10. That's pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive. That's back when a 50 pound bucket was also a hundred bucks. So we're, yeah, we're, well, we're good, yeah, good luck on that one now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Jim, do you remember, do you have an answer for that question? Do you remember what your first industry sale was? Oh, you're a sales guy. So uh, you like, I'm, sh- you know, yeah, we sold when we first got our first, you know, 5,000 unit order for uh, my prior product. It was, it was quite a day when the purchase yeah. order came in. It was, um, you know, a lot of work, right? A lot of education. I think Ravi used the word education. And I think as you start to, you need to get out on the road. This is not a COVID oriented type technology. You can't just get on a webinar and talk about, you know, couple pennies off trichlors and, and and that kind of stuff. You really got to get out in front of the folks mm-hmm. and they really do, as we, we indicated, open the hood. And, you know, when you do all those miles and anybody that's sold anything that's out there on the road and, you know, when you do all those miles and then somebody comes and buys what you're selling, it's, it's very, uh, it's very rewarding. Yeah. To feel that for sure. Especially when it's from the space. I don't know. There's no better high than that first sale, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Jimmy, you shared your first wheel job, but Ravi, well, actually you probably have told us your first wheel job too. It was with your, it was with your parents' store, right? Exactly. Yeah. I used to work behind the counter at my dad's pool and spa supply store. So I, we, we have a two-parter where we ask people what's their biggest flop and then what's their biggest game changer. And so that can be a tough one. And I mean, you know, it's good to look back on the, on the failures and the successes that we've had in our, in our lives and in our businesses. So is there something that comes to mind when I ask you what your, what your biggest flop was? Actually, we, we tried selling an ORP sensor. That was our biggest flop in in the beginning days of Sutro. We tried selling the ORP sensor and we couldn't make it work. And we actually had to refund a bunch of customers and we shut our doors for a good, I don't know, eight months or so. And then we kind of re, re, rebranded and re-envisioned using the microfluidic technology that we had in India because it was it was easy to take these sensors off the shelf and just waterproof them and throw them into water. And we just, we couldn't push a product that drifted that much. I just, mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable pushing that in the market. And that's kind of why we spend so much time and money on the actual microfluidics. Um, but that was, that, that's what I would say was our, was our biggest flop. Yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. So, I mean, on the flip side, would you say then that going to the reagents, that was the biggest uh, game changer? 
Oh my gosh, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I think like getting finally being able to get that right. It's it's been a long road. I mean, when we first launched Sutro, there was a lot of accuracy issues because how do you drop something, make a drop of something that's that small? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, now as you said, we like matched exactly with your pool guy. We you know you you sense the really high chlorine. It's it reads accurately because it is a reagent based system. But yeah, right. Well, I will I will add one thing that uh, one of the the things you find in startup world, right, is you 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 struggle to find guys that understand, you know, what's right, what's wrong, and, and do the ethics part. And mm-hmm. Ravi just brought it up when he started down the road with his other company, and it, he saw that it wasn't going to be what the industry really needed or wanted. I, I he and I were not, we were kind of talking on the side, but I was receiving his emails. Obviously, I was working elsewhere and receiving the updates on 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 the product, and then I got an email that said, "If you've bought it, I'm going to refund your money." I mean, where do you where do you see that? Where do you mm-hmm. ever find somebody that says? And the email was from him. It wasn't from you know his marketing group or Pardot or some other marketing engine. It was, hey, I'm sending it to you because I don't think this is right. I want to make it right. I'm going to give you back your money. And he went back to the drawing board and came back and said, now I got it right. And that's when I joined his company. And that is the very pivotal moment that Sucho, I think, is the reason why it's a product that people should give it a try. It's because it's ground in ethics. It, it's not a, a sham. It's not a don't look behind the, the Oz curtain. It's this, this, it legitimately works. And it only worked because people spent five years. And if you saw some of the earlier prototypes, it's, you know, Frankenstein's lab. But <laughs> here's somebody that saw it didn't work and said, sorry, I'm not going to go down this road. I'm going to stop now and I'm going to do the right thing. Yeah, that's I think that be... itself is the company in itself. Yeah. That's got to be a gut check moment too. Like, yeah. As a, as a, you know, a, a startup as an, as a new business, having to turn and say, well, that didn't work. Here's, here's some, here's some money back. Good. You know, like yeah. that's, oh boy, I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. You know, I, so to, and to that, I mean, Ravi has a person, you know, that's it, part of the reason why this company will be successful is because that's, it's ground in those types of ethics. Yeah. So do you guys have a favorite book or television show, podcast, movie. You've already mentioned uh, Back to the Future. So <laughs> um, I, I like to find out what people have been reading or watching or listening to either recently or just something that you continue to go back to because it's a because it's a favorite. Don't say Dr. Uh, Seuss either. Dr. Seuss, yeah. There's some good no, lessons I, to learn from Dr. Seuss. Yeah. I've um, weirdly been on this like science fiction kick, scientific fiction kick. And I read um, The Three-Body Problem by uh, Liu Shishin. He's like a Chinese author. It's, it's like this really, really long trilogy. Um, and if you, want, if you want actually an easier read, I just finished up um, Hail Mary by Andy Weir. That one's like really, really good. Really? Yeah. Um, are, and is it fiction, nonfiction? Uh, nonfiction. It's this like genre of science fiction that they call scientific fiction. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like kind of rooted in like actual physics and science. Here's my, here's my mechanical engineering coming out. But yeah, if you're, if you're interested in the scientific fiction or science fiction side of things, I would totally recommend those two books. Hey, there are definitely people who listen to this podcast who that would be, that would be right up their alley. Um, it might be over my head, but you know, I am, I'm willing to put in some hard work when it comes to my, comes to my reading. So. <laughs> well, Hail Mary was actually like on, on one of the New York times, like bestseller list. So it's, it's like everywhere. It's around the airports and stuff. And so Andy Weir's like a really, really amazing author. I love it. How about you, Jim? Jack Reacher. I'm now into the series and watching it on Amazon prime. So 
Jack Reacher. Isn't that who, isn't that who Aaron Rodgers was for Halloween this year? <laughs> wasn't uh, that I don't for, know. Isn't that um, why he grew, isn't that why he grew his hair out? Because wasn't Keanu no, Jack Reacher has, right no, Jack Reacher is, um, has short hair. Oh, sure. never mind. Who am I thinking of? Well, that was a pop culture reference fail on my part. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I, you know, it's been fun to, to get to meet you guys and, and know you better bumping into each other at all of the, all of the trade shows. And so, so yeah, I'm really excited for what the, the, the future holds for you. And I hope more hot tub retailers get on the, get on the Sutro train. Oh, thank you for your time today too, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a ton, Megan. And the screwdriver. Don't ever forget. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So they, they didn't have a screwdriver in Dallas at the, at the international trade show. And so they uh, borrowed mine and didn't return it, but then they would have missed our, would have missed our flights without that screwdriver. Right, Robbie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, I, I mean, if you've ever been to a trade show, there's always something that you have forgotten that you end up wandering on the floor trying to borrow from somebody. I mean, I've been there more times than I would like to count. So, you know, you got to pay it forward when you can, right? Exactly. Yeah. Thanks a ton, Megan. All right. Well, thanks guys. It was great. It was great to have you on. The Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at sparetailer.com. Thanks for listening.